Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. It is so great to be connecting with all of you. Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Pat. I'm joined by my co-host here, Dr. Glenna Rice. Wow. Dr. Glenna, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really good. (laughs) I'm so excited about this topic. I'm so excited about it. it Before we jump in the topic, let's talk a little bit. Now, you and I were just talking and you just got back uh, and you're getting ready to take off again because, you know, one of the things that you do, which you love to do, is you're out there as an access consciousness facilitator. And I want to take a moment uh, for you to just share this with folks of what it is you're out in the world doing and talk about the many people that you get to work with or be in front of. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I just got back from Mexico. I was in Cancun teaching the Access 3-Day Body Class, and I'm leaving for Costa Rica tomorrow morning. So I'm only home for two days, so it's a busy trip. So I am, yeah, traveling the planet, working with hundreds of people, teaching them, um, facilitating them into empowering themselves to know what they know, to know what they know about their bodies, to have a communion with their bodies. It's really not available anywhere else on this planet. We're talking about it so differently in access. Um, And teaching other workshops to parents, so parenting conscious, parenting conscious kids, um, to give parents parents a different point of view about how to raise children. You know, there is no rule book. And what if you actually know more than you think you know about how to parent and how do you access that awareness and that knowing that you have to have, you know, families that work for you, creating more ease, empowering yourself and your kids to create futures that are amazing. That's some of the stuff I'm doing. That's great. You know, and and being out in the world and helping people, and I want to talk about that too, because today's show, as all the shows are, are really to reach out and, 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 and have people know that there is a possibility, there's another way another way to look at their lives, another way to handle some of the tough situations, but also another way to get more of the juiciness in in life. And you do that in many, many ways. Um, You know, that's also part of what you do. Uh, Countless people, especially looking at the way access consciousness is growing exponentially. Oh, it's amazing the way it's going. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I've been around for 10 years um, using these tools and teaching them. <laughs> I'm an old gangster. Someone called me once, called me OG, and that's kind of funny. Um, uh, yeah, and when, we, when I started, it was, you know, a few cities in America. Italy was a little bit open, and now we're in 170 countries everywhere around the world. There's bars facilitators, bars is the um, first access class that is, you know, kind of one of the fundamental classes. It's the bodywork class that we do on the head that changes, um, kind of de-frags your computer brain so you have more space to be and to know what you know, like I was talking about earlier. And, you know, that those now there's 
thousands of bar facilitators everywhere. This country is growing in Japan and China and South Africa. Um, it is amazing to watch it grow and be um, part of the contribution to this incredible growth of, you know, getting people out yeah. of their stories, out of the trauma, yeah. drama, and the misery, giving them really pragmatic, practical tools and questions that you can ask. And I know you've used that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unstuck from things you've always thought you couldn't change. The thing is, we can change anything if we change our point of view. If we ask questions and um, don't take fixed points of views about anything, really anything can change. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, today we're going to be talking about something I find really, really interesting. And that is looking at, uh, this is a question that I believe that almost, almost all parents that I know of in today's day and age think about. I don't know if they ask this question. They think about it. And the reason I say this is, is the following, is should you let your kids play video games? Now, that is a great question. Most folks are thinking, what would I do with my kid if my kid wasn't playing video games? Now, that's probably not an access consciousness question, but I'm just going to throw it out there because we're oh. looking at, right? What do you like? Do you like that question? What would I be doing with my kid if, if my kid wasn't playing a video game? Do you like that one? I is think, that even close yeah, to an access consciousness question? <laughs> it actually is a question. It's, it really is a question, <laughs> and it could be an access question. I actually, um, it's something that comes up. I had the same question many times when my kids were younger. Um. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, that just came out of my mouth because I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm reflecting upon it because I see so many children and parents, right, but I see that as a way. What, why did this topic come up for you? Why was this an important topic to really look at? And, you know, and I know you've got some experience. What, what is it that's showing up in the world today around this? Well, it's funny because we spoke about this. It came up briefly in our last call. And we yeah. both said, oh, this would be a fun topic. And I, yeah. it, when I was looking at what to talk about, I was like, oh, I really think that would be fun to talk about. Because I don't know of a parenting class I've ever um, done or actually parenting stuff comes up in all my classes because I'm, you know, I teach classes so parents tend to ask me more questions. Um, this is almost always comes up about how do I limit my kids' use of video games? Um, how do I get my kids out of the room and off the computers and off their video games? Like it's this terrible thing that's happening to kids. This terrible thing that, um, you know, they're doing all this, you know, limit their screen time. There's all these detrimental effects that are supposed to occur because they're on the videos all the time. Um, and I had a really different point of view. I mean, I kind of came in with that. Like, there must be, you should probably stop them from using it so much. Like, if they're on after school, you know, on the videos, right after school until they go to bed, there's got to be something wrong with that. And I was like, well, what if there isn't anything wrong with that? What if none of the things that our kids are choosing to create their life are actually wrong? Right. Right. What so we- what do we do? Are we bringing our fear to the, to the conversation? Right. I mean, are we, are we bringing yeah. our fear to the conversation? Um, you know, this is really funny. I'm going to date myself, but th- we're going to, we have a lot to talk about today. So I think it's important to yeah. set the stage. Uh, growing up as a kid, right? You know, we talk about television as if it really is an old form of technology now, right? <laughs> if you're not streaming on your phone, Like right now, if we're not doing four or five things during this interview, one of them may be streaming the Olympics on our smartphones, right? Um, Mm -hmm. This is kind of the world. 
but I love what you're doing. You know, what if, what if what kids are doing, it does actually contribute to their lives? Somebody asked me, was there any television show, just to digress for a minute, was there any television show that helped me? You know, that I, that I could point to where I actually, that it became, oh, here was a question, that part of that television show became part of my personality. I thought that was an interesting Uh-oh. question. I got asked by some big HR psychologist guy that once in corporate America. And I had an answer. And I, I answered it. And I said, yeah, three stooges. And <laughs> I did. I said, yeah, the three stooges and uh, old school Abbott and Costello, scary Frankenstein Dracula movies. And the guy looked at me and my boss looked at me. And they were like, something wrong with her. And so he came back and he asked me in front of like a hundred people, how so? I said, because having a sense of humor in my family wasn't really in the forefront of what we learned. I said, I learned how to laugh. And so Mm -hmm. let's talk about this from, could gaming be a contribution to your children's life? You you know, it, it really, it doesn't, it doesn't show up, but what is it that you're discovering? Can how can gaming contribute to your children as opposed to us bringing all of our trash along the way with our fears? Yeah, and how can it and is it? I mean, that's a question you can ask. We talked about the light and heavy. So, if you ask the question, if it's yeah. light, it's true, if it's heavy, it's a lie. And most, most of these things are saying about video games and kids the, the fear or the worry, the concern the parents have always feels extremely heavy when they ask it. I show them a different point of view. Um, and I've got this experience now, I have a child who's been playing video games and now 22 off at, in a, you know, in college doing computer science, a junior at UCSD. And I can see how all of the years of him playing, he was, he was in training. He was showing, teaching himself, um, what his future was going to be. Because his ability to, to work with the computer, with the games, um, and know that whole way of interacting with this computer world was his future. And when he was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, the, the kind of training that they have now wasn't even available. So he's <sighs> kind of got himself ahead and, you know, he's created his future with this. I mean, wasn't that like play, play in the old days, you know, kids would throw baseballs because they were learning how to hunt. Well, whatever, you know, you'd play with your dolls and sew clothes when you were a little kid when we had to sew <sighs> clothes. Play has often been for children what their future is going to be. And they do it from, a, from not from a place of work, but a place of joy. And I think that's what's really missed by parents is the joy that video games is giving children. And this reality is so not about joy and having enjoyment. It's about hard work and getting things right and, um, you know, being in school for hours and not having fun. Fun is not something we um, value much in this yeah. reality. And I think video games create so much of that for children. But it's also the ones that are enjoying it, are they creating their future with this game? And what are they creating we're not even looking at and saying, this truth, is this contributing to my child's future, yes or no? And if it is, how can you contribute to that instead of being at them to stop something they're having joy with that is creating something in the future? Yeah, Cause, I, mean, I, I love this. You know, I, yeah, I, just, you know, my son, I saw him, he, he changed, he completely changed my point of view when he was oh. 12 or 13, just when I first started doing access. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, Mom, I love doing this. I think it was Pokemon mm. games and Nintendo stuff he was playing at the time. Mm. And I was saying, you know, you need to get outside and play or whatever I was saying, being, <laughs> you know, this reality's mom. And he looked at me and he said, Mom, this is the one thing I really love doing. And everybody always makes it so wrong. 
And I looked and I was like, okay, that's it. Right then and there, I was like, I am not going to be one of the people that ever make what he enjoys in his life wrong for him. And I stopped that day and started looking at it from a totally different point of view. And seeing what my children have created with computers and with the ability to work on them is, I mean, wow, how does it get better than that? Yeah. And let's talk about the stories that we bring to the forefront around this, if we could. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one, and it's really interesting that you're talking about this and that you actually listen to your child. But of course you would. Right. But but yeah. what are some <laughs> of the stories around this? You know, my child's going to be addicted. They're going to get lazy. They're going to do this. They're not going to be healthy. They're not moving their bodies, um, so forth and so on. Um, and it's really yeah. funny that we're talking about this. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk about the idea of video games not being gender favored. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, if you have a young daughter who wants to play baseball or football, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to be able to let her do that up until a point, right? I mean, yeah, some things right. are changing, but video games transcend that, don't they? Oh, my gosh. Dr. Pat, you have no idea. My middle daughter, my young middle kid, my oldest daughter, um, is like on this League of Legends game. I don't know what the game is, but this is their <laughs> favorite game. She is now some diamond-ranked person that can actually video stream and make money out of it now. She was, ranked, she was given, <laughs> in her high school graduation, she was best gamer. And she's one of the few girls that do it. Um, I mean, she's had people play the games for money, which I don't know is actually um, officially legal, so I don't know if she should be mentioning that on air. But she's already making some money at the ability she has with these games. And most of the people she plays as men. I would say almost 90% are, you know, young men, boys. Um, and she's excelling. And there is, you know, and no one's saying she can't do it because she's a girl. We've just had to get her better equipment in the house here and there, which I've done. I think, you know, I yeah. need a better screen. We need better routers or something. How can I get on the Internet faster? You're, you're, you know, our Internet's making me lose games, Mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I saw in her by, by getting, you know, there was, um, she wasn't necessarily, she didn't excel at sports. She didn't excel at a lot of things um, in the school, regular school system. She's an amazing artist and drawer, and she's, you know, done extremely well, but she's never been really great at anything in that arena. Um, and she became really, really great at this. And I saw this confidence in who she is and her ability to create her life and create what she'd like and how she can put herself, you know, be determined to, you know, be good at something and put herself into that and what, what she could create. And I saw that change for her with these games. It's like, wow, how does she get better than that? These, they, the, the, um, level of contribution to her life over the last two years has been extraordinary, like phenomenal with it. And I could see it carrying over into some of the um, classes she was taking in her senior year in high school also. Um, that mm -hmm. she, just became, she, she started to know that if I apply myself to something I really love, I can excel almost greater than anybody. Like, and what a wonderful thing to know. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the parents for a yeah. moment. <laughs> and the reason I think it's important to talk about the parents is because, yeah, you know, uh, if you have a son who turns to you, whose, you know, eyes are tear filled and, and you look at that, if you have some tools, you will step back and take a moment to breathe. But if you yeah. don't have the tools, it becomes not just a challenge for children, 
but it is really agonizing for parents. I mean, I don't know if you've ever witnessed two parents arguing over this topic, right? Yeah. Um, and and I'm not saying, yes. yeah, one or the other, but how do you, how do you work with the parents on this? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I have a math question. The question is, is it contributing to your child's life would be a question I would ask a parent to look at. Mm. Also, um, is your kid enjoying this? And then the fears they have that they're not getting it out and moving and playing and exercising, those kind of things, which come up a lot. It's like, check, you know, what can you, what questions can you ask your child to have them see a different point of view about what their body requires? Now, their bodies mm. are involved in these, in these games quite extensively. Um, and that was Pokemon Go. Um, <laughs> you can't keep your kids in the house now with Pokemon Go. And there's yeah. just as many crazy concerns about that, which I thought was funny, um, watching the internet feeds about Pokemon Go. It's like parents would say, how do we get the kids out of the house? So they make a video game that does it, and now the parents are all up in arms, so there must be something wrong with that, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't it the idea that the game is controlling the children? I, there are two schools of talk, thought we should talk about this. One of them is the game is controlling my, my children, but the other school of thought is that I'm really upset because this game is getting my kids to do things that I didn't do. So in comes the ego. Right. I'm not saying there right. aren't concerns with with that, you know, with, with that whole idea of that. I'm not saying that. But we just got to peel away layers of the ego around that game, boy. <laughs> did Pokemon go? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I, I the, the, the fun that my children are having with that um, is, is delightful for me. But I have a different point of view. I really enjoy the joy my kids get out of their life. I find that um, something that contributes to my life. They're easier to be around. Um, I mean, there's a Jiggly, there's a Pokemon character called Jigglypuff, which back in the day I used to read and watch the Pokemon <laughs> movies with my son, and that was my favorite Pokemon. I didn't know much about them, but I just loved that Pokemon, and they caught one in my kitchen. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, Jigg Jigglypuff came into my kitchen? I'm so honored. <laughs> But the whole thing is fascinating to me, and I don't have the app, and I'm not playing the game, but I'm watching the joy and fun they're getting out of it. You know, we, were, we drove down to San Diego to drop my son off at school, and they're playing it, you know, at different stops. And if you can drive your car slow enough, does it work like walking and all sorts of stuff? I just, you know, there's a Pokemon gym over here. There's just so much fun. It's a, it's a brand new thing that we didn't have, and sometimes it's that we just don't understand it, so we think there must be something wrong with it. Like, what if yeah. the things you don't understand aren't necessarily wrong? And what do your kids know about it they can show you? Just, just what it's creating for them. So yeah. you know, we're talking about the, the body stuff. Um, you know, I would go into my kid's room and say, okay, you've been at the game a long time now. You want to check in with your body to see if it wants to do something else. Yeah. So they would be initiating the movement that they might need to have or, you know, just getting up out of the room. And over time, they started regulating it themselves. Mm -hmm. when, mm -hmm. if, if I wasn't making them wrong for it, instead of asking them a question, how's your body feel? Sometimes I'd go in and say, oh, my God, I've been on a computer for like eight hours working today, and my body is a wreck. How do you do it? <laughs> what do you do to have ease with your body? Because you're on the computers more than I am. You know, and they would say, oh, yeah, I get to walk around. I do this other thing. Or, you know, I might go out and play in the yard. Um, or they'd say... I don't have a problem with it. My body's fine. I'd be, oh, that's cool. How can I have that, too? What if my body was fine being at the computer? 
Um, yeah. I wonder what would happen. And this is really a question for you as well, Glenna. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder what would happen. I mean, I think Pokemon uh, Go is one of the extreme games of our time. In that context, the idea is out of the box. However, having said that now, I think that the future is like right around the corner, like maybe the next 24, 48 hours where the next Pokemon Go type game comes up. What is the Mm -hmm. resistance, if there is any, with parents saying, okay, how can I show my kids some guidelines around this? You know, I mean, clearly what's happening is, you know, people are trampling other people's lawns. They're peeking through their way. I mean, yeah, that's going on. Right. It's a game. Uh, that's what people are doing. But how might a parent um, d- engage with something like that to set, a, to, uh, to set an example? Or is that beyond what's reasonable to comprehend? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and we don't know, you know, how, what, that, well, we, how, there is some awareness of how different this game is um, about kids getting out. And these are kids that haven't been it's, out much in their lives. These have been mm-hmm. kids that have been put in car seats since the day they were born and driven to uh, school every single day. Yeah. Um, they may not have the tools to negotiate um, being out in society the way they are yeah. now. And I, yep. I see that it, it, they're actually doing a much, much better job than I could have imagined with it. So giving your kids, um, you know, asking them to be aware. Like, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware bigger than that game that you're holding in your hand. Be aware of the people that you're meeting. Um, and I see my kids are definitely that way with the game. And they, they're, and some of it, the novelty of it is worn down a little bit because they're not doing it as much as they were the yeah. first week it came out. Um, yeah. And you're hearing weird horror stories, but they're actually quite inflammatory, you know, and react to these stories that you're hearing. Um, then I think what's actually being created by the game, because the kids are having a lot of fun meeting other kids. Yeah. Briefly, yeah. just having a little short conversation with them. It's like they look up and there's another person on their app and it's, you know, and they know that that person is playing the game and it's kind of a smile and a giggle. And they're, you know, they were sitting in cars outside giggling with another group of kids knowing that they yep. just won the gym. Like that is so cool and fun for them. That's more of what's being created by that. But yes, asking your kids to, like being aware of um, is much better than being careful. We ask our kids to be careful. We've already told them they need to watch out for something that might not be there. But being aware means they're taking in everything bigger than just that one, um, just the awareness of what they have to be aware, scared of or fearful of that you just put in your head. But I said, be careful out there. Be aware of everything around you. If something feels funny, leave. If you feel weird about anything when you're outside playing a game or not playing a game, you know, if you feel funny about it, ask a question. Go somewhere else. Leave that area. Um, these are skills that they need doing anything. So is this a top, uh, you know, an opportunity for us to actually start creating more of that in our children also? They're out going out um, with their friends outside now. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny. That's the thing. Our kids are going outside playing games. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the, and we've been complaining for, what, two decades now? That kids are not yes. going outside. You know, that we're, you know, and if they go outside... We're very concerned about their safety. Um, We're going to take a short break. But before we do, let's take a minute. Um, I would love for you to tell people uh, how they could find out more about you, as well as what some of the upcoming classes are. I know you're going to be traveling a lot, but what some of the upcoming classes are. Uh, And also, uh, 
it's really important for folks know that uh, they can work with you directly one-on-one. Uh, what's the best way for folks to find that out? Um, you can get all, most, all my email and everything information at my website, glennarice.com. And for my class list, just go to drglennarice.accessconsciousness.com. Um, all the upcoming classes that I have uh, around the world come up there also. And you'll also uh, find I have a monthly telecall that's on my website, glennarice.com slash QC. It's questionable conversation. But awesome. going to glennarice.com will get you everything. Yeah. And then Glenna works with individuals, also works with families, works with parents, works with children, because we are now being called forth to have a much more sophisticated and complicated dialogue. And um, by the way, those of yeah. you listening, if you've got a question for Glenna throughout the show today, please feel free, first of all, to call into the show, 1-800-930-2819, or you can go to transformationtalkradio.com or the drpatshow.com and uh, click on the player on the right, and then you'll be able to pop your question right in there. And we'll get your questions on air. A lot of new things are happening for us and got to give you an extra step right now to do that. But pretty soon things will change. Uh, I want to take a short break. When we come back, what about the research? Is there research out there? What does it say? Does it support this dialogue or not? Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Are you and your family looking for one manageable lifestyle change that will positively impact your health? Look no further. That change begins inside your drinking glass. Learn how to put a lid on junk drinking by sipping from a recipe collection of colorful, fresh, tasty, wholesome fruit and vegetable blends. Get your copy now of Sip the Garden. Fun, easy drinks for a healthier family by T. Carrie Mitchell. Visit lifestyle120.com for information on how to order. Transformation Talk Radio is dedicated to the education and awareness of Lyme disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Lyme Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, joined here by Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Dr. Pat Basili and Dr. Nusheen Darvish will be bringing the most innovative, groundbreaking information, research, treatment innovations, and stories from those it affects every day. I'm so excited to be talking about this. We have so much to share. Dr. Darvish and I are planning to do is connect the dots. People suffering with all sorts of chronic diseases, it's time. It is time for them to transform. Tune into Lyme Talk Radio and help keep our mission strong for the loyal listeners out there that have been listening to this incredible show on Lyme disease we are not going to let you down we're going to come through stronger and enrich the platform for Lyme disease awareness through Lyme Talk Radio the message will continue the conversations will become stronger and the healing epic Are you sick of feeling overworked with no motivation? Take a break from the daily grind. Life coach Nicole Eisler is here to provide a healing journey of optimism. Passionate and caring, Nicole is no ordinary soul. Her dedication to helping everyone has no limit. Witness the power of positivity. Tune in every first and third Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific for Positivity Party Radio with Nicole Eisler on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit BigDreamAwakening.com. 
Tune in to The Michael Shane Show the third Tuesday of each month at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and connect with the ascended beings to raise your vibration and manifest the life you desire. Get ready to receive healing through the transphysical mediumship of Reverend Michael Shane and the ascended beings. Visit MichaelShane.com. That's M-Y-C-H-A-E-L, Shane.com, and call 425-971-6632 to schedule your full healing session now. Get ready to rid yourself of all that is weighing you down and holding you back from living the life you want for yourself. Coming Clean, The Art of Transparency with Katherine Moss is a hit show for women in recovery who are ready to live life on purpose. Tune in and let Katherine help you live your truth one day at a time. Live each Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. It's so great. Uh, Dr. Glenna Rice is here. Um, this is, you know, I, I, Glenna, I, I mean, you and I are going to be talking about this moving forward, but we've got to go back and look at some of these shows and put a couple of books together because, you know, what comes to the forefront here is the idea of looking at not just what's relevant into the world today, but what are some of the old patterns of our behavior at at any age that we bring to the forefront, which argues inevitably for our limitations. This is one, you know, could gaming be a contribution to your, your children's life? You know, today, you know, Dr. Glenna Rice is, is my co-host today. And we're talking about how gaming may actually be a positive influence and what to look for if it's not, because that's part of it. Um, Let's talk about research. Because everybody points to research uh, on anything, you know. I mean, remember the research that came out that said, yeah, putting a cell phone and sleeping on your cell phone every night would not harm you. Yeah, that's one. But let's talk about the research that gets done on video games. Tell, I'm interested to hear what you found. Oh, yeah, there's a, um, it was an article in Forbes magazine from a a journal of um, the American Academy of Pediatrics. They've done a study. of quite a few kids, and really what they found is um, that most of the positive effects that you find from any kind of play are actually very similar with video games. And kids, like none of the social problems um, that they say would affect children, it depends on how much they were playing, according to the study. And like three hours, about three hours a day, kids that are playing around that range um, have, you know, the, the, the... Psychological development, psychosocial development of them is is um, they're they're healthier in those areas than kids that aren't playing. Um, and then if you get into really really long term play, that the effects are different, um, not as good. And I hate you know research studies are so funny because you know these are averages of kids, but basically what they said is you know these, this is not something we need to be concerned with the way we are. Um, they. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm sorry, I just pulled up the article. I just had a moment there saying if I could find exactly where it was. 
Um, well, what I want to say about this is let's yeah. just talk it, you know, let's just talk about what our mind does outside of research. Let's talk about what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, here we're sitting there and uh, we're having our children play video games. But, you know, what's really interesting about this conversation is that there is some level as parents that we demonstrate to children the, the absolute learning behavior about using digital devices. And so here's an example. You know, I went to, got the, went to get the oil changed and I'm in the quick oil change place and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and, you know, not really playing a video game or anything like that. I'm just sitting there because I really value moments of just sitting there. Um, mm-hmm. But here's the mom over there sitting on a table. The child is on another table. He's not playing a video game. He's playing some kind of hand game, right? I'd say that I'd mm-hmm. say he was maybe about six. Uh, and the mom is 24-7 texting or doing something on her phone. So right. if we want to discourage children around video games, then what kind of example are we demonstrating by being so 24-7 plugged into our phone? Because people right. say, Glenna, oh, it's my phone. It's not a game. But I don't know. Do you think a, a six-year-old really picks up that there is a big difference there? Um, I actually think six-year-olds are way more aware than we ever give them credit. So they probably do. <laughs> <laughs> they probably do mom's texting and doing boring things because that's what moms do. She's probably <laughs> working on her phone, actually. That's what you'd find me doing most of the time oh. actually working on my phone because my, now my job comes with me 24 seven because most of the, you know, people are all over the world on my team coordinating for me. And we talk with, you know, computers and phones. I'm usually on Skype with some team having a conversation about something about promoting something. Um, and my kids know it. I'm not having fun on my phone the way they are. <laughs> <laughs> probably, he's probably like, you know, get it in while you can. At six years old, you can still play. <laughs> um, and that's why I go to my kids and say, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I've been on my phone or the computer all day. What do you guys do? Um, so my youngest daughter goes out and does gymnastics or goes out and dances or some things like that. It's like, okay, I can add more of that into my life, which is funny. Like, they've learned how to they, – they know more about this world than we do because they've had it more and they've been interested more and they've um, been playing these games more. So how do you negotiate it in your life? What, is, what do your children know to get you off the phone instead of the other way around? Because they will do other activities. They tend to be a little bit more, you know, this is fun for a second. I'll go over here and do this and have more ease with it. But we can get trapped in our jobs and not get away and not, and act, you know, how much of, are we projecting on them that we're neglecting our bodies because it's actually what we're doing to ours? And are we even asking those questions? I, I love what we're talking about here because there is a misconception and there is the research, right? But there's also the judging part of this. Uh, you know, somebody, I, oh, this is like really strange, right? I was out in a coffee place and I was deeply engaged in my smartphone, clearly Mm -hmm. deeply engaged in my smartphone. And you could, you could probably tell by the look on my face that there was something that was holding my attention, that it was like this stare, right? Uh And I, and I was sitting there and this guy, um, next to me, you know, just happened to be watching me like intense. I was intense on my phone, right? And he mm-hmm. looked at me and he said uh, something like, "Wow, I hope what you're I hope what you're watching 
is really exciting or something. You know, it must be some movie or something. And I just looked up and I said to him, I had this moment where I felt like a little embarrassed. And I looked up and I said, I'm learning a new table tennis serve. That's what I was doing. I'm, I'm sorry. That's what I was doing that on my awesome. smartphone. I was memorizing, you know, watching the same little video clip over and over and over again on my smartphone because I'm a vicarious learner. And so well, I was I watching the nuances of, you know, this fabulous uh, Olympian, right? Just, just cra mm -hmm. crushed great table tennis. And I had to stop and back it up and then watch the serve. How high was she throwing? The I mean, this was me. And everything and around me, everything around <laughs> me lost time. Isn't that what happens with video games, though? But we stop time. Well, we, yes. Well, time is a creation. It's not really a reality. So we create <laughs> time to work for us. Um, and, and that's when you're being you. That's the moment. That's when you're, the joy of your life and the creation of your life is showing up. When you can do something for a long time and not even eat or sleep, those are the things you love to do. Those are the things you want to encourage your children to do because those are the things they're going to create the money for them in the future. You know, the, the things that they're going to do for um, their downtime from whatever job they have. These are the things we, we create, um, I'm going to say it again, the joy of our life from. When you can do something that long, I think that's fabulous. And, you know, we have this available now. This did not exist when we were children no. or young adults. Or anything. You could go online and learn these things. Like I... It's silly, but my daughter's learned how to braid her very long hair. And I learned how to French my, braid my hair when I was a kid. I was like, how did I learn to do that? My mom <laughs> didn't know how to do it. And I was like, how did we learn? So me and a girlfriend were having this conversation. How did we learn to do these things? Like knitting. There's things I self-taught. And I was like, before the YouTube videos. But now the kids watch and learn crazy stuff. Um, and I was like, oh, there was a magazine that came out that I would read, and they would describe it, and I would learn it that way. Um, it's a little, that wasn't as quick and easy as it is for the kids now. You can just learn a table tennis serve or how to braid your hair or how to you know, change a faucet in the sink, like, which I've done. Like you look up a YouTube video, and someone has something there that shows you how to do it. I, I mean, the, the information that's available to us now because of this amazing technology is fabulous. What if you could enjoy it more? What if there is nothing wrong with all of this? We're so intent on finding something wrong with everything, and what if we weren't looking for what was wrong, but what is this creating? What is it contributing? Is it fun for me? Do I enjoy looking at this video game over and over? Well, yes. You were so engrossed in it that you didn't, you know, you kind of forgot where time was and probably where you were, and you got something amazing out of it for yourself. I'd like more of that on the planet. <laughs> and isn't that really what we want for our children anyway? Don't we want more of that? So how do you help parents, uh, and this is really kind of important to really just step, step into right here, because I, I think you and I are focusing on, you know, something that is, uh, people are calling an epidemic, by the way. You know, this is the way we're looking yeah. at video games and children right now. We're using, uh, we're using medical diagnosis on this at the moment. Um, right. But it does require a different point of view, because if we're not going to look at this differently, it is painful to watch the frustration in parents, yeah. right? I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say, how intense that is? Totally. And, you know, how yeah. agonizing it is and big fights. 
big fights about this in the household. Have you seen any of that? I mean, or is that just where I live? <laughs> no, I have seen it. That's why one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this, and hopefully there's a little bit of a different point of view coming out in this. Yeah. Um, um, to, to see it from a different point of view, to look at it from a place that there's, there's just something wrong that's happening. There, kids are creating their future. You know, this is their future. And if we're going to be making it wrong, how are we contributing to that future? If we started looking at it from what it's contributing, what um, the kids are, you know, the joy they're getting out of it, what just asking, what is this contributing? My, my daughter, the, um, the great video gamer, was dyslexic and was having a difficult time reading. She couldn't read, probably until she was in almost fifth grade could she really start reading. And now she reads it beyond grade level. Yeah. She learned to read from the Pokemon games. I am mm. so grateful for those games because she got tired of asking her, her brother and I, what they kept saying in those pop-up bubbles. The mm. reading finally had, a, had something for her, and she taught herself. Because you couldn't, this, this, she's a very stubborn young woman, and she was a stubborn little girl, and she didn't want help from anybody for anything. So she had to teach herself, and it was the games that initiated it. So what can you be grateful for about what your kids are doing with video games? Like, what is, what is it contributing you have never acknowledged? What is it contributing to your life you've never acknowledged? Um, my son yeah. liked video games so much that he started developing and designing them on his free time d during college because it was fun for him. And the skills he learned, he's now applying to a website that he's making me. And he's like, Mom, this is a $20,000 website, you know. This is the brand newest stuff they're putting into websites. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. That video game that he spent all the time developing and making gave him all these skills to make a great website for me. Um, and, and wow. the college he's in, yeah, so these things, like, what is it contributing you're not acknowledging? Um, what, are the, what can you be grateful for about the game? What, what's changing in your child's life that these games are helping with? And yeah. these kids are also able to, like, multitask with games. Um, and you, if you're making your children wrong, you're never going to be able to see these things because you, you can't see anything that doesn't match your point of view. So if you're coming from a point of view that these things are wrong, that's what you're going to be instilling in your child all the time. That something they're doing is wrong. It could be one of a really great um, contribution to creating their future, their life, their living, their reality. And if you're making it wrong, what are you actually stopping with that point of view? And would a different point of view create more for your family? Um, yeah. Just like the time, like, okay, do, does their body need, require to do something else? Yes or no? You as a parent can ask that of your child's body while they're playing. If you get a yes, Depending on your child and your relationship, what could you ask them to change something? Or you could put time limits. A lot of parents will do that. You need to be on for a couple hours and off or something. Or, you know, you can only play it after you're done your homework. Those kind of things can work for your family. But if, if you're coming from it being a contribution instead of a wrongness that you need to stop and squelch in your child, it's going to create more ease for you and for them. And you may see benefits that you've never been willing to see if you have a point of view that it's a wrongness. That's where making things wrong stops so much. You know, yeah. what contribution is here? And I keep saying contribution because that's the thing I think parents are missing, that actually kids playing with video games can actually be a contribution to what they want to create in their future. Yeah. I mean, isn't there a question, too, to ask about this, Glenna? For those of you just tuning in, Dr. Glenna Rice yeah. uh, is on the show here with me today. And we're talking about something that is very, very important. And that is, you know, could gaming be a contribution to your child's life? 
And I know you just shared uh, some very, very important examples. I want to ask you this question as a parent. And, you know, here you are and you're watching your child play the game. And you can feel the anger just welt up. You know, your face may be getting red. Might there be another thing? To, you, know, you know what I'm talking about because you've been there, right? Yeah. You know. Your neck is all yeah. red. Your veins are starting to come out. And you haven't even said anything yeah. yet. But isn't there right. another way? How might a parent engage or show some interest in this? Because I think they're so afraid to show any interest that they're going to encourage the child to do more. Yet, no, <laughs> the child's going to do more anyway. That's true. I mean, our kids are going to do what they want, whether we want them mm-hmm. to or not. They're just going to do it in secret, especially when they're teenagers. <laughs> we all did that. Uh, oh, <laughs> not me. Um, you know, we did what, you know, we snuck behind our parents' back. I actually had pretty, you know, easy parents, so I didn't have to do a lot of sneaking, but I know my yeah. friends did. The parents that had more rules, we all did the same stuff. The kids just didn't, their parents didn't know about it. You know, and that may work for you as a parent. You know, I mean, that's the question, too, is, is this... Um, is getting that upset with your children actually working for you? Mm. What else is possible here you haven't considered? Mm. You know, is this... That question is it's, it's contributing. I'm going to go back to it again, because really, if you can see a different point of view and have a different point of view for you as a parent, then you can start asking questions that actually could change some of the things that are true, that are, that are something you may need to change with your child, like how much activity they're getting, they're not doing their homework, those kind of things. But if you're coming from it from this fixed point of view that there's something wrong with all of it, the kid's going to put up barriers to do. They're not going to listen, especially if they're over the age of 13. And you're going to just create more disharmony in your family instead of more um, communion and ease, which, which I would guess most parents are looking for. Someone yeah. is looking for more ease yeah. in the family. And most parents are looking for things that are going to, you know, since their kids come out of the 18, 25 years that they live with them, that they have a successful life. Yeah. What if this is what their successful life is looking like? Um, and, you, you, you know, and each kid's different. I have three kids. Two of them love video games. My youngest, she's never played one in her life. Uh-huh. Right. She plays Pokemon Go a little bit with her brother or sister, sort of, but just kind of to interact with them. But other than that, no, she's a gymnast. She practices her gymnastics. She just does backflips <laughs> all over my house for hours. <laughs> That's what she loves to do. I don't stop her from doing that either. I always contribute to what, you know, and that could be really what this call is about. I always contribute to what my kids enjoy, not what I think they should enjoy. You know, I may think they should have done piano lessons or guitar lessons. And, you know, the activities that I got them involved with, if they weren't ready and dressed at the door saying, Mom, it's time for practice, we didn't do them. And I found by letting that go, what I've projected on and they should do for their future and allowing them to choose it creates more ease and more joy. And I don't have to be at them. You need to go to practice. My daughter does come to the door dressed. It's time for gymnastics, Mom. You need to take me now. It's, it's, mm. you know, it, we're not, there's not a conflict or a fight between us because it's me contributing to what she's choosing that's going to create what she wants her future to be, not what I would want her future to be. And we've all had parents that, that pushed us to do futures and create our life. You know, what are you going to do when you grow up? That it wasn't your point of view, and they never work as well. And if you want to get some, of, you know, some rid of some of the angst in your family, allow your children to start choosing what they 
enjoy and contributing to that. And then see, you never know how it's going to show up. I didn't know that day when my son said, mom, video games are what I love and everyone makes it wrong. When I chose, I didn't know what that was going to show up 10 years later. I just knew right then and there, I wasn't going to stop him from choosing what created his life. I was going to contribute. And this, you know, it doesn't have to be about video games. It can be anything they're creating. Yeah. One of the things, Lena, I want to point to is something you just said about a point of view. Now, we've been talking about different points of view today on the show, but uh, I want to go back to uh, Pokemon Go, because if there has ever been something out there like this that has caused parents to have differing point of views, I think it's this. I mean, there are blogs that are being written by parents that are talking about how they're playing with their kids. I was reading a blog where one of the moms said, the family that Pokemon's together, and then says, oh, okay, that's hard to rhyme, but heartwarming. I mean, (laughs) it's like, right? This is like the dialogue, and they're trying to say, uh, I think one of them built a website that said, wait a minute, this is what you can teach your children from Pokemon Go. But if you're not willing to even entertain a different point of view, right? You're yeah. not going to find what these parents are talking about. No. Instead, you're going to be in conflict with your child, making what they're doing wrong. Instead of looking, well, what else is possible here I haven't considered? Maybe I should download the app. I, I actually, for myself, have considered it. <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my son's college professors play Pokemon Go with, go with them in class. <laughs> I just found out <laughs> the other day when I was talking to him. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, like how fun is that for kids? How, what kind of, you know, what um, kind of interactions that we've never considered are being created? You know, what is what have people kind of been asking for, you know, to interact with the games in different ways that, are, that Pokemon actually came up with? What, yeah. what have people been asking for? I mean, yeah, it's really fun to play with your friends with a headset, the games, but they've actually got something so that they don't just have to have a headset on to play. They can actually meet their friends in, in real live time and have this other joy of this game together. Um, so, yeah, whoever invented Pokemon Go, brilliant person. Brilliant person. And the same question yeah. is being asked. I mean, I was reading an article from July, I think it was, should you let your kids play Pokemon Go? And, you know, and, uh, and, they, and they started to talk about it. And I love the way the article kind of takes you on this journey about uh, what people have done, how some people are not. Listen, isn't it like anything? Right. I mean, if you are trying to play Pokemon Go and drive your car. No, that is not what you should be doing that. I mean, that's uh, yeah. So we have to bring some common sense to this for a minute, if we could, because any anything that we do like that, there is a degree by which you don't want to do it. Um, I'll tell you, I grew up in New York, Lena, and I will tell you. You do not want to have your head down texting and trying to cross one of those New York City, Manhattan streets. No. You don't really want to or, do that. No. And, you know, common sense. Yes. Like, and, and what if, you know, your child does have a lot more common sense than you actually are willing to acknowledge? Yeah. One of the questions you can ask is truth. And the word truth will allow you to see it even more clearly. So you say truth first. Truth. Will my child be safe? Mm. going out to play this game today mm-hmm. and get the awareness of yes or no. It's going it, to, like, the, the, the no's are 
so far, and I've done this with everything. And this is something new, you know, but my kids going out with friends, my kids going um, out to their fathers, you know, yeah. and staying the night there. Are they going to be okay being at their dad's house tonight? Because they didn't always have the greatest relationship. Sometimes it could be kind of unfun. And I'd hear stories when they get, came back home. But just so I have the awareness, because if they're, they're going to be safe and they're going to have fun, interfering with that isn't going to help either. So if you have your own knowing about it, then if you get a no, then you can start interfering or changing something or asking another question or saying, hey, you know what? I don't get that it's going to be safe for you to go out and play this game right now. Choose something else. Because mm-hmm. if I got to know, I was a parent. That was the day that, you know, they're not going to go out with that friend. They're not going to go to that party or go out on that date. So I got to know it wouldn't be safe. I know I've not gotten those for those things, but I have for some play dates when they were younger. Because the child wasn't very fun they were playing with. And I was, and usually when I got to know and talked to my child about it, they didn't want to go anyway. Uh-huh. So I gave them the way to get out of the play date with the not-so-fun girl. Much easier than just that blanket that everything's unsafe. Because, you, you know, the, that's not a great way to function every day in life, that everything's going to get you. Um, that there's going to be a problem everywhere. Instead of actually seeing what actually is true, gives you a lot more freedom. Yeah. And, and I mean, our, we have and, really gone through an evolution. Uh, let me just call it, I call it the evolution of things. This is my term because I don't know how to, I don't know how to really put it in perspective. We've gone through the evolution of things. Uh, everything from what now is an R-rated film to what was an R-rated film five years ago. I mean, the whole evolution of things. And I want to just, you know, I know we've got a, about two or three minutes left here. I want to ask you, is this just one more evolution of things? I think so. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and I think it wouldn't be created if it wasn't something that people were asking for. Mm. And what if the things people ask for actually create more for the planet and the world? I mean, if there's more fun and joy, the planet's happier. You know, if you want to uh. contribute to, you know, you don't want to save the earth, you want to create more joy, and everything is going to be more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my interesting point of view. But, wow. You know, well, anger and upset and intrigue does not contribute. But things that are fun to create that kind of joy in our lives, those contribute. I love this. I, you know, I think yeah. it's really, I think it's the next great conversation about how we are actually going to redefine joy now and what that yeah. lens might look like. Wow. Thank you for today. One last time. What is the best way for people to find out more about you? And again, your personal message for today. Thank you for the show. It was great. Cool. Yeah, it's glennarice.com is the easiest to find everything you need to know. And um, personal message for today. What contribution could you be to your children's future that you never considered? Oh, I like that. I like that. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a little eight-year-old right now who I'm an auntie for. That's my name, auntie. Mm-hmm. I like that better than like the grandma thing, but auntie's good. And, you know, yes. as I'm thinking about this, Sometimes it's just sitting down and having yogurt together. Thank you, Glenna. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. We got another show coming right up. Stay tuned.
preceding audio was via a Skype call.